want to welcome those who are joining us via video uh, to our Wednesday night Bible study where we take a book of the Bible and we go through it verse by verse by verse. And uh, kind of the slow way of reading the whole Bible, but <laughs> we'll get there. Um, we are in uh, the 17th chapter of the book of Acts, which is the history of the New Testament church. Jesus lived his life, he died, crucified, raised from the dead, went into heaven and told those guys to go preach the gospel and then we have a record of what they did and how they did it and uh, much of what we uh, do today still reflects back on the example that they laid for us uh, in the book of Acts. We are at verse 13, uh, Paul is in the city of Berea, we talked about this last week where the Bereans, uh, let's read this verse 11 again, which is kind of cool. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. Stop torturing that child. <laughs> more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. So the Bible actually praises them because they went and checked it out. They didn't just take it at face value. You know, some people think, well, it's better. You just do what I tell you to do. And I'll preach it. That's just the way it is, you know. But the Bible actually praises these guys because they didn't just take it at face value. They went, open up the Bible, see if what he was really saying or not was true. They were praised for that. And we want to encourage the same thing. So anyway, um, so he's in uh, Berea. People are getting saved and, and things are going well. And then verse 13, it says, when the Jews in Thessalonica, where they had just left, learned that Paul was not preaching the word in, of God in Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. Uh, so these guys, Paul was constantly followed by this group of, uh, of Jews who just hated what he was doing and uh, kept causing all kinds of trouble for him. Well, verse 14, the brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast. Why? You know, so that he'd be safe because he was always con- under constant threat of losing his life by these people that were giving him so much static. But Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Well, the men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So now check this out. This is really a great story. This is, this is one of those key... Yeah, I, I love the book of Acts. Everyone's want to get one of these key sections that uh, you know we reflect back on. Well, this is one of them. This is uh, Paul. He's hanging out in Athens. Athens, Greece, okay? And uh, he says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. We're talking Greece here. We're talking all the Greek gods, all the, you know, temples that they had, and they worshiped all these idols all over kingdom come. Well, it says, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as those in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. Uh, A group of uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, very deep thinking men, the philosophy, you know, the whole Greek philosopher thing, uh, began to dispute uh, with Paul. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because, you didn't know that, but they had English accents there. Uh, they, <laughs> <laughs> they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the, of the Areopagus, Uh, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. 
And I love this in parentheses. He says, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. They're caring, oh, you have new ideas. Let's just look. And, and these people are really just, they're just consumed by their logic and their philosophies. And they love to debate and, and argue uh, finer points of life and theology and politics. And it was all the rage of the day. So here he is at the... Uh, Areopagus, this this big landmark in in, uh, Greece. So Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Now now check this out. Now this is really significant because this is a uh, kind of a point of contention that believers still have to this day about arguing how to share the gospel with in a pain-free way with people who have never heard the gospel. And uh, there are, you know, you've got a couple of camps. You've got the one camp that uh, says, well, just live the kind of life you should lead and maybe Christianity will eventually rub off on them, which is pretty low-key, you know. There's some good things in that, but they don't really ever say anything. They just be nice and... And, uh, you know, but at some point you have to open your mouth and share with these people or they'll just die without Jesus thinking, gee, you were a nice guy. Until they die without Jesus and find out you never said anything, then you're not such a nice guy anymore. Okay. Then you've got the, the, the group that on the other end who just thinks you should just grab people and just give them the word. Give them the word. You got to give them the word. Open up the word. Give them the word. This is what the word says and the word says that and the word says this and just give them the word. All right. Have you been to this church? Okay. So... <laughs> Um, you know, and, and just really intense and get people's face and challenge them and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's real interesting because up to this point, every time these guys would preach, they were preaching pretty much to Jewish believers. And what would they do? They would get into great detail about the Bible. And they would start back in the book of Exodus and go all the way through the history of the Jews and quoting this and quoting that. They were giving them the word, giving them the word, giving them the word, giving them the word. All right? But... The reason they were doing that is because these were people who knew the word or were supposed to know the word. And this was their point of reference. In fact, if they did not demonstrate a very strong use and knowledge of the word, they would not have been accepted and the Jews would have rejected it. And we've read these sermons and some of them are a little painful going through the history, la, 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 la. But now look how he preaches. This is a completely different style. Completely different style. This is really dramatic, and and it's important that you know this so that you can kind of fight off some of those who get on you for not being more intense in people's faces. I think really an in-between thing there is that you need to win people to yourself before you ever win them to Jesus. If people think you're a big, fat, stinking jerk, why would they get saved? I mean, honestly. I'm a jerk. You want to be like me? No, just pray this prayer. Get away from me. Be like you? You're freaking me out. All right, you need to give them truth. You just hide the truth from them. You're not going to help them. That's that's legit. That is true. But I don't swing to the other side either. Where it's just give them the word, give them the word, give them the word, and just get in their face and freak them, freak them out. So that's what he did in the Bible. No, 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 no. Look at how Paul now preaches to people who know nothing. They know nothing. 
All this intense preaching and, 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 and quoting the word and all these stuff that was challenging people were people, men who had been raised in, in Judaism, knew the Old Testament. That's one thing. Now we're talking to guys who are blatant heathens. And Paul did not get up and say, Man of Athens, y'all a bunch of heathens. Y'all going to hell. You're going to hell. If I, if I were you now, I'd, I'd cool off now because you're going to hell. I'd, I'd enjoy what you got now because where you're going is going to be hell. That's right. That's right. That's right. Praise God. You want to be like me? So what does he say? He starts out. Men of Athens. I'll get it. He is with a whole boatload of heathens. Pagans. Worshiping idols and all coughing their thinking and and he says well I see that you're all very religious you know and he wasn't saying this in a, in a con- condescending way we're not real hip on the religion around here we don't say it in a very <laughs> very nice way but he was being nice to these guys I could see some people going what what did you say religious they're a bunch of pagans look they're worshiping a chicken over there But he didn't just come out and insult people. Did he really think they were of true religion? Of course not. He's being a nice guy here. He's trying to relate to people. He's trying to communicate with people. At a level where they can understand. Just because you know the Bible better than somebody. Don't just beat the snot out of them. Listen to what people are saying. And look for opportunities to share with them. You don't have to debate every fine point of doctrine. When you talk to people who don't know anything about God, they'll start blathering on about all kinds of stuff. That make no sense at all. If you jump on everyone, no, let's jump the Bible. No, let's the Bible. You know, it's not really necessary. Look for opportunities. Listen for their hearts and then speak to those issues and speak into their heart. You'll find God will open up doors for you. So anyway, here Paul, um, you know, I, I see you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. Again, he's being polite. As a Jew, they would kill you for this. You realize that? You're down worshiping idols and bowing down to some stupid statue, man. You're in big trouble. And he said, well, I see your, your objects of worship. They're just stones. Stones of cows and pigs and chickens and three, who knows what they all were. You know, they're worshiping trees. They were environmentalists. I don't know, whatever the deal was. <laughs> so they're, they're worshiping. And, and he's, he's, he's saying, oh, I see, you have these objects of worship. He's being kind to them. I even found an altar with this, this inscription, to an unknown God. These guys had so many gods that they made an idol for one that maybe they didn't know. <laughs> Seriously, just try and catch it all. You know, here's the miscellaneous God. Got the God of the sun, God of the moon, God of the, God of the stars, got the... God of the water, got the God of the earth, got the God of this and that and the other, miscellaneous, in case we miss something. Again, he could have insulted them, say, What is unknown? What are, you, are you guys idiots? Are you morons? You gotta have so many gods, you need one without even a name? Let me show you what the word says. All right? It's not what he did. He used this as an opportunity. I see here you have an inscription to the unknown God. Something inside him says, use that to talk about Jesus. Here's another. Was this really a statue, uh, a place of worship to Jesus? No. 
These people, they're just, you know, hopefully everybody just worships at the unknown God. That way they're all getting saved. That way. No! It wasn't Jesus. But he used it as an opportunity. It was an open door. Here's something they can relate to here. The unknown God. Let me, let me tell you about this God. Now what? You worship as something I know, uh, uh, something as unknown. I am going to proclaim to you. So it's an open door now. I'm going to tell you who this unknown God is. This one you've been worshiping. Well, they weren't really worshiping, but... The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. Well, so he's starting to tell him the truth. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. There's a little kind of a, you know, challenge there. You know, that these gods don't need people sitting to bring him, you know, stuff to eat or something like that. He said, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them, and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him, and perhaps reach out for him, and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. Isn't that beautiful? For in him, this God, the true God, the creator of heaven and earth. For in him we live and move and have our being. Oh, what a great verse. Isn't that great? In him we live and move and have our being. This is the God that we serve. And then he quotes not the Bible to them. He quotes one of their pagan poets. This would be the equivalent of witnessing to a bunch of inner city kids and instead of quoting the Bible say oh, let me, let me, read, let me let, show me the verse of, of this rap song you've been listening to and find some bit of truth in the song as a point of reference they could understand he didn't say well let me show you what it says in Ecclesiastes the 47th chapter or the 26th verse right there he says, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own prophets have said. And then he quotes this, this little piece of this poem. We are his offspring. He found enough truth in their wacky thinking to use it to point them to Jesus. He wasn't compromising. What is he doing? He's being as skillful as he can to relate to them where they are at. To tell them about the God that they do not know. That was pretty good. Play that back. That was good. So then he keeps on preaching. He says, therefore, since we are God's offspring. In other words, since that poet wrote that. I mean, it was like the word. You know, he's treating it as like a Bible verse. But it's something they can understand. Therefore, since we are God's offspring. We should not think that the divine being is like. Gold or silver or stone. Now, now he's getting to it. He says, you know, if we're God's offspring, why are we worshiping sticks and stones and these things down here? An image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now, he just told them they were ignorant, by the way. But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. He's not soft peddling the gospel. He's still saying, look, you need to change. God is telling everybody, you need to change. Turn from your sins. Turn to me. For he has set a day that he will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed. He has given proof of all this 
uh, of this to all men by raising him from the dead. He still hasn't even said the name Jesus yet. It's really fascinating to read how this, this is the man. Read these, you've been reading these with me. They preach and they taught and they mention Jesus and you crucified him and God raised him from the dead and here's what the Bible said and then blah, 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 blah. But when he came to these guys who didn't know anything, he really stretched to relate, to understand. And he's giving them baby steps in ways that they can understand. You don't have to take the Bible and the gospel truth and just shove it down somebody's throat today. So we might die and go to hell tomorrow. Yep. But probably not. And you don't control that anyway. God controls that. Now if you hide your faith and you never share your faith with somebody. And you're, you're, you're holding out on them and then they perish. And all, yeah, no, there's a problem. But as long as you're reaching out man. I tell you what. When you start sharing with somebody. Instead of being worried about them dying and going to hell tomorrow. Why don't you start praying for them that they don't. Say, Lord, I'm talking to this guy. Protect him. Don't let him die yet. I ain't done with him yet. We're just warming up. I just told him he was very religious. Just quoted to him some dumb prophet. <laughs> Guy's totally whack, but he, he understood what I was trying to say. God, hang on to that guy. Are you hear what I'm saying? Now, again, not everybody agrees with me with this. And I'm sure there's some people who are sitting here maybe don't like this and some who might watch this later who will be really angry at me for saying this but I'm going to preach you the word this is what the word said this is what he did no way can you say Paul took to these heathens and just start hammering them with the truth he did not he was wise as a serpent harmless as a dove so then he starts talking about this man whom God has sent that God raised him from the dead well it says in the next verse well when they heard about the resurrection of the dead some of them sneered. Oh, oh, for crying out loud. I was following him for a while. It was kind of interesting. But oh, come on. And they didn't want anything to do with it. But others said, we want to hear again on this subject. He had an open door. He had an opportunity. At that, Paul left the council. He left. Well, a few men became followers of Paul and then believed. So people started getting saved as a result of this. And I'm sure as they became followers of Paul, they started hearing the whole truth and the whole gospel. And look, you know, here's an opportunity now. They're listening. Well, what are you talking about? What about this? And he could share with them more and more truth and give them the word and tell them everything that we need to tell people. All I'm saying is you don't need to tell them today. They don't need it all Today, especially when you're starting from point zero with somebody. That argument that some hold as what Christians ought to be doing. Again, the beautiful thing here is we don't all have to agree with the pastor. Thank God. But this pastor is telling you, I don't think you have to do it all at one shot. This approach of just give it out to them right now. Shove this down the throat right now because they might die tomorrow. Is not an effective way, in my opinion, of preaching the gospel. And it's really not biblical. The real intense in-your-face preaching and repenting and stuff like that was always to guys who knew the truth and did not believe it. It was always to people who knew what God said and turned their back on it. Those were the guys that got it both barrels. Not people who didn't know anything. Okay? 
let us continue. Anyway, we talked about some of the people who got saved. He says, among them were Diocenes, a member of the Areopagus. So here's, here's a member of this group. You know, he actually winds up getting saved. Also a woman named Demarius and a number of others. Why did he mention these people as they're going along? Remember, this is a contemporary writing. He's writing at the time, not long after all this had happened, and was naming names that perhaps uh, Theophilus, who's the guy he was writing this to, would recognize that name. Oh, yeah. Well, that's how he became a Christian. Oh, oh I heard about it. You know, that kind of thing. These names don't really mean, these particular names don't mean anything to us, but uh, others will as we go. Okay, so anyway, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Now, these are the guys where you read First and Second Corinthians. Big, long letters uh, that we will delve into eventually, and uh, they're pretty interesting. This is where he meets those guys. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. So Aquila and Priscilla, this couple. It's interesting. It's one of the few couples in the Bible that are referred to as couples. Usually hear about the woman or just the guy. And these guys, it was always Aquila and Priscilla. Um, anyway, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome, they had to leave Rome, and that's why they were there in Corinth. Uh, Paul went to see them because he was a tent maker as they were. Did you check that out? What did Paul do for a living? He was a tent maker. That's where we get that from. I said, why would he do that? Because that's how he got his money. When he'd come into town, he would set up shop, and he wasn't just preaching day and night. Uh, he actually, by his own hands, earned his own living, not only for himself, but for all of those who traveled with him. He talks about this in, in quite detail later when he writes back to the Corinthians and, and other places in the New Testament. He says, look, it is absolutely right of me to have been received offerings from you and you support. And he, and he taught him, that's what you ought to do. You ought to financially support those and feed those, take care of those who minister to you in the word. And implied very strongly that they should be taken very well care of, quite frankly. Uh, but he says, I intentionally never did that, so no one could ever say to me that you just did this for the money. I never took a dime from anybody. So he really went above and beyond the call um, to say that this isn't about money for him. And uh, he, was, he was often, he would actually at times boast about that, you know, um, and just state that publicly for people not not to brag on himself but just to make it very clear look this isn't about money for me if this were about money for me i'd be doing something else okay so that's that's where you get that from um so uh so paul went to see them because he was a tent maker like they were so they were also tent makers and he stayed and worked with them so they went into business with aquila priscilla they're supporting themselves and then every sabbath this is the saturday remember the sabbath is actually technically saturday Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. So um, uh, his uh, modus operandi is he worked a real job, like real people, and then ministered on the weekends, for the most part, uh, at least in an extended stay like he was here at, at Corinth. Uh, obviously, not every city he went to, he didn't set up shops or building tents. That didn't work out. Okay, anyway, when Silas and Timothy came over from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself now exclusively to preaching. Why? Because these other guys came along, and now they started helping. But they earned their own money. See, he wouldn't take offerings from anybody. Um, and he was testifying to the Jews that, were, that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, 
He shook out the clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. He knew his responsibility. He wrote often about this. I am compelled, my greatest responsibility is to take the gospel to the Jews first. And then also to the Greeks. In most cases, he would preach the gospel to the Jews until they became so obstinate and so on. He would just say, ah, forget it. I did my obligation. I tried to share with you. You didn't want to hear it. Now I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And this is how Christianity started spreading like crazy under Paul. Because he wouldn't just try to reason with the Jews. He'd go to anybody. And Christianity started spreading throughout the known world. Because of uh, the teaching of Paul and others who understood this concept. Um, so this is what I'm going to do. Your blood be on your own heads. I'm clear of this responsibility. Ooh, not exactly the sweetest parting. Uh, then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire house, household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. Then one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. And uh, why is this important? Because Paul usually, was, he didn't stay real long in places. Because the, eventually the... Uh, the heat would get so strong on him and the opposition would become so strong and he would do something that would tick people off. You know, some servant girl who they're making money off, he'd cast a demon out of them or or people would quit making idols and they'd lose money there or just whatever the thing and they'd come after him or the Jews would chase him down. Um, But the Lord wanted to encourage Paul to stick around in Corinth for for a long while. So here's the vision. The Lord speaks to him. He says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in the city. So he's protecting Paul. You can be cool. Uh, Just stay bold and keep preaching. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. He knew these Corinthians very well. Um, And one of the reasons I think that his letter to them was so thick. Anyway, while Galileo, uh, Galileo, not Galileo, (laughs) a little bit later. Uh, well, Gallio was proconsul of Achaia. The Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. So here we go now. After a year and a half, then all of a sudden the Jews come again and they grab Paul, drag him into court. They want someone to arrest and kill the guy. So they get in court and they say, this man, they charge, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Well, just as Paul was about to speak, and Paul actually looked forward to these opportunities. <laughs> he loved to get up and just start preaching to everybody, man. He wasn't afraid of anything. But just as he was about to speak, uh, Gallio said to the Jews, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own own law, talking about the law of Moses, the Old Testament, settle the matter for yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them all ejected from the court. <laughs> the next verse is pretty funny. Then they all turned on Sosthenes, who was the synagogue ruler, and beat the crap out of him in front of the court. And Gallio showed no concern whatever. But talk about fickle people. I mean, this is bizarre. So they go in, he gets all these people, and we're going to go, and we're going to attack Paul, and he gets the ball, and they kick him out of court, and they get out, and they beat the snot out of the the, uh, synagogue ruler. Man, I thought you guys were on my side a minute ago. But uh, bizarre behavior. I don't know. I can't even begin to relate here. Anyway, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. 
then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centuria, Centuria because of a vow he had taken. Now, here again, this is kind of an odd thing. Um, we know, for example, on the, uh, the issue of the law of Moses, this technical uh, Levitical law about what you could eat, when you couldn't eat it, when you could do this, when you had to do this, when you could work, when you couldn't work, kind of all this heavy, heavy thing about vows that you would make and how to make the vows and about being circumcised and not being circumcised, all this kind of stuff. We know that Paul intensely preached and taught that we do not live by this Old Testament law. Okay, I think we've beaten that horse to death. And you say, why do you talk about that so much? Because you can't read the Bible without hearing it over and over again. I mean, this is the New Testament. You're going to read the New Testament. You're going to hear Paul talking about enough already. But yet, at the same time, he would do these bizarre things. Remember, he gets Timothy, and first thing he does to Timothy is circumcise him. Why? Just because he's trying to relate to the Jews. He really tried. He knew it was not necessary. Nobody preached harder about the need that, that you don't need to be circumcised than Paul the Apostle. And the most intensive terms, by the way. But so he gets Timothy, first thing he does is eat. Circumcises the boy. Then, in an effort to still relate to the Jews, he takes a vow and shaves his head or cuts his hair, whatever the deal is, part of this vow and stuff like that. And again, do we need to do such things? No, we do not. Paul told us we did not. Why did he do it? Because he still, even though not under obligation, he would do it as a way to win. You know, Paul had this attitude, man, I will do whatever I got to do to win people to Christ. That was really his heart. If I need to preach some some jerry-rigged sermon off of some stupid idols and quote some poet in a dorky song in the middle of of Athens, I'm going to do it. If I need to circumcise my buddy and shave my hair, take a vow so I can relate to Jews, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do whatever I can to reach out to people, to relate to them in any other, any way I possibly can to try and win them to Christ. One thing you can say for sure, the boy was flexible. <laughs> you know, he would do this and it didn't seem to bother him. It would mess with my head, but he, he would just do it. I mean, I'm the kind of guy, I don't have to do that. <laughs> And I'd move on, you know, I'd still try to be nice and see if they didn't like me anyway. But, you know, this whole idea of trying to reach out to people and love people and care about people, he really lived this stuff. And for him to go through this obligation and whatever this vow entailed, uh, just to relate to his fellow countrymen was just out of love for them, even though he didn't have to do it. A lot of little lessons in, in all of that. So anyway, when they arrived at Ephesus, verse 19, uh, they arrived at Ephesus where Paul left uh, Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews, as he always did. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus, which these were the Ephesians that he wrote to later (laughs) in a very intense way. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch, which is kind of where he started in the first place. So kind of the wrapping up of his second missionary journey here. 
after spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, uh, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. So he comes to the Ephesian believers. And he was a learned, a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. Uh, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor. Uh, or fervor of spirit. He was quite the passionate speaker. The uh, the word apparently on Apollos is he was quite the preacher. He was quite, wow, uh, check it out. Now, Paul, by his own admission, said, I, you know, I didn't come to you with fancy words and stuff. I, You know, he really doesn't really claim to be that great of an orator. Uh, he's quite the writer, I mean, you know, but he, he, he didn't claim to be that greatly skilled in, in his oration. Um, but uh, Apollos was. That was the deal on Apollos. And he taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. John the Baptist had baptized him. He didn't really know that much about Christianity, other than, you know, he's you know, preaching about uh, Jesus as the Messiah and stuff like that. But, uh, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Let me fill you in, dude. It's a whole lot's happened since John the Baptist. You know, you know, this wasn't the day of CNN, okay? Or Fox News Channel. News didn't happen all that quickly. And let me tell you, you're going to catch up here a little bit. We appreciate what you're doing. You're very skilled talking about Jesus the Messiah. Let me tell you the deal here. Uh, so they brought him up to speed. And when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote the uh, disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help for those who by grace had believed. For he had vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate. Again, very skillful orator. Proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Now just so you get a picture of, of who this cat is. Uh, look over at Corinthians. Flip over to the First Corinthians if you have your Bible. You should have bring your Bibles with you on Wednesday nights. So you can see whether or not I'm making this stuff up. 1 Corinthians um, he's, at verse 11 Paul is writing to the Corinthians here which obviously he knew these people very long for a long time and he gotten very intimate with them and were buds with them and ministered to them and got them saved and whatnot. he says my brothers some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you he's really writing the book of 1 Corinthians to straighten them out because they got kind of whacked out uh, and we'll get to that when we go through this uh, epistle. He said, but what I mean by this, you know, one of you says, well, I follow Paul. And another says, well, I follow Apollos. See, here's Apollos. He made quite an impact, you know. Some people say, well, I follow Paul. Other people, he, the, Apollos was slick enough to do this. Some people, well, I follow Apollos. He's quite the preacher. Others say, I follow Cephas, which is another word for uh, Peter. Um, and still another, well, I'm really spiritual. I just follow Christ. You know, and so they, they had all these uh, uh, divisions, and he's arguing with them. It was, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified with you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Um, so he basically re, re, rebukes him, but th- this name, Apollos, and some of these guys, this is where Apollos uh, pops up. And uh, it's a, you know what's neat? Is God, he, here you got these you know, this church, and some really love Apollos because he's such this flashy, dynamic preacher style. Some love Paul uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, uh, you know, some preferred Peter. 
Uh, and then some didn't like really any of them. <laughs> and said, well, I just, I just serve Jesus. I don't listen to those idiots. You know, and uh, it was really problematic. He was trying to encourage them. Look, we all need to work together on this deal. And quit uh, going off in different things. The point I'm trying to bring out is that even back then, there were different people with different styles, different approaches, different ways of communicating the gospel. And, uh, you know, and people had preferences. That's kind of human. That's kind of normal. It's always been that way. There are people who prefer my delivery style. There are others, quite frankly, who really don't care for it at all and feel obligated to inform me from time to time. You know, just, you know, just discourage the snot out of you. But, you know, this, this is what they do. And, uh, you know, well, you shouldn't be this way. You should be more this way. And I think it ought to be this way. And I think... Well, you get up here and preach. And do what you want to do. And if they listen to you, go for it. But listen, I, tell, I would do whatever... Some people, you know, because I goof around and I make people laugh and stuff uh, from time to time. Uh, one guy made a comment and said, well, you're, this church, you're just a... It's just a comedy show. Just a, have you ever been to a comedy show? Now, in a half-hour sermon, I might make people bust out laughing about three times. If you go to a comedy show and they only make you laugh three times in half an hour, you're at a very bad comedy show. I would ask for my money back. And I don't think very many comedy shows preach the gospel and fight for righteousness. And just, you know, say, well, why do you use the humor thing? Because I just, that's just, I'll enjoy it. I'm trying to entertain myself. <laughs> I really am. You have no idea. But Pastor, I just love it when you do that, keep my attention. Man, I'm trying to keep my own attention. <laughs> I'm so bad. If I just start talking to you, la, 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 I'm drifting off, you know, and I'm the... I'm hearing wah, 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 coming out of my own mouth. And that's scary. And I have no idea what I'm saying. So I try to just lighten it up for me. So, well, I don't appreciate that. Well, I don't care. So you don't appreciate it. So what? So do you think that's appropriate? I'll tell you what I think is appropriate. Anything that gets people to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I could get up here in a tutu and dance it into you, I would dance it into you. Yeah, don't clap. You ain't going to see that. But if you don't want to see me in a tutu, but if you did, if if that's what it took, I would do it, man. I just, I just want to communicate and get stuff into people's lives so they can get it and remember it, and it makes a difference in their lives. I don't think we've accomplished anything when we talk for an hour and a half, and everybody walks out, and what do you say? I, I I have no idea. It was a long time, but I don't know what it was. I think there was something there for what they went wah 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 and then I lost them after that. You know, I mean. Anyway, so I don't apologize. <laughs> but just to show you, there were different styles even back then, and it's okay. Not everybody likes everybody's style. And some were. What's bad is when you start just splitting off and everybody hates each other and they were fighting like that. Well, yeah, I like this guy better than the other guy. La la la. And uh, you know. Actually, in, in that list, the one that irritates me the most is the last group that says, well, I just like Jesus. <laughs> Some people are such self-righteous little snots, you know. You know, I just, I, just, I just like Jesus. I just like, I don't like any of this other stuff. I just like Jesus. I don't like you guys talk about your church. You shouldn't talk about your church. You should just talk about Jesus. 
You know, it sounds so spiritual. You know, you got to watch people. Because if you're not really on top of your game, people will suck you into their whining and complaining and have you convinced that they're somehow spiritual and right about what they say. Oh, I, I, I disapprove of those my stories. You know, they're going to talk about how the church made a difference. They should just be talking about Jesus. And it sounds so reasonable to you. And you know, well, we shouldn't be doing that. Well, come on, people. It's Christ's body. It's all connected to him. It's like saying, you shouldn't be talking about your marriage. Just talk about how wonderful your husband is. Well, I think when you talk about how wonderful your marriage is, you are talking about your husband. Your marriage is your husband. Whatever I'm trying to say. <laughs> is this making any sense? Yeah. People just find the goofiest things to whine and nick. So I'm going to start talking to him sometimes. He's going to go, bah! Bah! Bah, 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 bah! If you're talking to me and all of a sudden I go, bah! you know what I think. Yes. That's, that's inappropriate. All right. Move on. <laughs> you sure are a mean preacher. Yeah, I know. All right. So anyway, where am I? I don't even know where I am. Um, we, we are at chapter 19. Now, when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them this question. Check this out. Check out this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What, what do you mean? <laughs> Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, that's don't don't when you believe you receive the Holy Spirit at the same time? Apparently not. Now this is where we get into trouble here, and uh, and you're going to see how here. You know, I, I know there's some real hardcore charismatics that believe you have to speak in tongues and everything, and I think they're stretching things. But you can certainly see where they get their arguments from. There is definitely a separate approach between believing in Jesus Christ, being baptized, and receiving the Holy Spirit. Have you been anointed and prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit? Now, obviously, you have to receive a measure of the Holy Spirit when you believe. I mean, Jesus doesn't physically climb into your chest. He comes in by his Spirit. But there is a separate experience, a distinct experience about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you had that distinct experience? If your answer is, I'm not sure, the answer is probably no. Let's keep reading. He said, well, we never even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul says, well, what baptism did you receive? He said, well, John's baptism. Here's another bunch of guys. Well, let me bring you up to date, boys. A lot happened since John. So Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. Remember, that's what he talked about. The one's coming after me. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, now they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So here they believe. They're now baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. We're talking three distinct experiences. And this is not the first time we've seen this. As we're reading the book of Acts. Now we can debate 
whether or not it's always speaking in tongues and that that's fine but to think that it's not a separate experience you're you're shorting yourself the bible's very clear here all the way through the book of acts there was the believing there was the baptizing there was the receiving of the holy spirit and not always in that order sometimes people would believe and instantaneously they were filled with the holy spirit remember when he was, when peter was talking to those uh, gentiles all of a sudden they all start speaking in tongues and i go oh gee mama check it out they can't do that. They haven't been baptized yet. No, they didn't do that. But then they got baptized. Three distinct experiences. So Paul lays his hands on them. And what happens? They spoke in tongues. And prophesied. Now here's the interesting thing. Every time we read about them so far in the book of Acts. Receiving the Holy Spirit. Something happened. But it doesn't always say what happened. The times that it did say something happened. It mentioned speaking in tongues. So, again, while we can have the debate and some people say, well, I don't think you have to speak in tongues when you, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Fine, fine. I'll, I'll, you know, I can cut slack on that. We don't all have to agree on this. But one thing is clear is that something happened. Something changed. Something unique happened. It is a separate experience. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you've become a believer in Jesus Christ? And, uh, and uh, you know, it would be interesting what some of you think about that. But it's something that's important. Uh, you know, Pastor Lathan does this great word. He? He's not here. He's too spiritual to listen to me. But, uh, <laughs> but every, so often he does a whole series on the Holy Spirit and, and a whole class. And, and then they pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. The class. It's great. It's a great thing. If you haven't done that class, you ought to do that class. It's a wonderful, enlightening thing. Uh, we don't try to force everybody to have the same experience at all. Uh, but we do follow the Bible and we do have a distinct separate thing where we pray and ask God to fill you and empower you with the Spirit of God in your life. It's, uh, it's pretty wild. I guess I don't really have time to go much on uh, further on this. But uh, it, it's... Uh, don't, don't come to spiritual things with a prejudice that you just don't want something. I don't have a problem with someone saying, I don't think you should speak in tongues. And I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think it has to. And they honestly, sincerely believe that. I don't have a problem with that at all. I honestly don't. If I did, I'd tell you. I'm pretty opinionated. I don't have a problem with that. What kind of bothers me is people say, well, I'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't want the tongues. You're coming to God. I'll, I'll take this, but not that. You know, this is not a smorgasbord. I, I like chicken, but keep the onions off. I want that. No, man, we just need to come to God with just an open whatever you have for me, God. That should be our attitude. That should be our attitude. You should just whatever you want. God, fill me. Give me every. I want it all. I want it. I just want what pick. I want the, the thing at the bottom, all of the above. Eat. That's me. Suck it to me, God. I want it all. I just went in the other day and I bought a pair of shoes. I didn't walk in and say, I'd, I'd like a pair of shoes, but I don't, I don't want any with tongues. like that just be open to whatever god has if you speak in tongues cool it's very cool it rocks i should probably just do a whole teaching just on that i suppose huh one of these days so i can just so i can explain the whole thing through to you at least what i think but uh you know uh, it's great but if you don't so what it's just at least you you've been in his presence and you've asked and, and jesus said the, the your heavenly father will give the holy spirit to those who ask him Remember where he said, you know, a father, if he asks for a, 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 a piece of bread, isn't going to give you a snake. Remember that little analogy where he says, he says, he says, 
He says, that's how you know that your, fa- their ho- your father will give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. He, it was in the context of asking for the Holy Spirit. Have you even asked? Have you asked? Father, fill me with your spirit. Let me experience your fullness. Or are you wanting... I, I, don't, I, don't, want, I don't want that. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm afraid of spirits. Holy or otherwise. You know, or just trying to, well, I want this much of God, but not this much of God. And I, I like this, and, and I don't want like that. I don't care for that, but ooh, this looks kind of nice and stuff. Man, just have the kind of attitude that, God, whatever you have for me, fill me to the brim. Empower me to live in such a way that I can be the greatest blessing to you and to your people and to the world around me. This should be our attitude as believers. Amen. All righty then, let's have our uh, ushers come forward and we will finish with our Wednesday night offering and our musicians can come back upon the stage wherever they are. There they are. And, uh, you know, man, this is good. You just keep coming and uh, let me encourage you to uh, stay zeroed in on this with us as we do this. This is, this is really where you get really more of the meat of the word on Wednesday nights. You know, I know some people sometimes complain that they don't get more meat on a Sunday morning on occasion. People think in those terms. But, you know, on Sundays, it's, it's really a challenge, you know. You're trying to speak to so many people, some who never don't know anything about Jesus and others who just started their faith walk in Jesus and others who've been saved for five years and others who've been saved for 15 years and, and to minister to every. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of a challenge. So it's kind of... You know, but the nice thing on Wednesday nights, man, we just throw caution to the wind. We just tell you what the word says. We just go dee, 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 whatever it takes it. And uh, so uh, the more you grow, you want to keep growing in your faith, man, um, this is a great opportunity. Get the word of God in you. And I love it that you guys come. Honestly, Sunday morning for 20 minutes of a general Bible presentation is really not enough. I mean, it's great. I mean, I like it. It's fun and encouraging. We all worship together. We take communion, all that kind of fellowshipping stuff, which is important. But man, we need to get this and we need to understand it and start living by this and let it change and empower our lives. And that's really what our Wednesday nights are all about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, uh, that you continue to bless us. And Lord, we want to honor you back with a portion of what you blessed us with. Lord, you delight in those who are cheerful givers. And we give cheerfully tonight. Bless this money. Bless the giver. Use it all for the advancement of your kingdom, we pray. Inspire us to have generous hearts, oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.